the Holy Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit, in our lives, in our churches. Without the Holy Spirit, we become stagnant, dull, and lifeless. Holy Spirit, come. That's he's the change in my life. When the Holy Spirit came into me, into my life, that's the change. Changed right there. Same with our churches. If, if the Holy Spirit is not allowed, the Holy Spirit's in you. If you're saved, a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And so, I mean, the Holy Spirit's everywhere. He is everywhere. And uh, we just invite Him to move in our church, in our community. And if we've ever needed Him more, I don't know when. We need the Holy Spirit more than ever. And uh, I need Him more than ever in my life. In 2022, let's put Him above all. As a church, yes, yes. As a community of believers, as a church, individually. It starts here in every one of us. And let's build on that because we need that. We need a revival because everyone doesn't know what we have. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was missing. I was missing a big, a big part of my life. A spiritual part of my life was, was, was Holy Spirit. And I'm so thankful that I have Him living inside of me now. And so thankful to see you all today. You know what? I feel like we've got a Shabbat, which would be a loud shout in praise to the Lord. I feel that. I feel that. You guys with me? We're going to Shabbat. Oh, we're going to go three, and we're going to Shabbat, and really going to, we're going to shout out to the Lord. The Bible tells us to shout out to the Lord. Let's shout to Him. One, two, three. Awesome. Good to see you guys today. And turn to someone and say good morning. And you may have a seat. Boy, this two weeks in between, this week in between Christmas and New Year's, this has been long. <laughs> How many people here were off work during this time period in between? Well, I, I just had to come in sporadically to, you know, prepare for today. <laughs> but yeah, I, it, was, uh, it was a long week in between, and... In between Christmas and New Year's, I tend to overthink things. And uh, I'm sure there's many here that do. Uh, even in your mind, you kind of sum up the whole year in. You know, even uh, businesses, you know, they're doing their year ends. They're doing their taking inventory, seeing whether there was a profit or a loss. Um, a lot of times things seem like it's about money even at the year end. Uh, with Christmas even, uh, I don't even buy gifts anymore. I just give money to my family. It's my way of saying, I love you this much money. <laughs> and that's it. So I find out that uh, it saves me a lot of time and is even more economical. So <laughs> I know Christmas isn't really supposed to be about being practical and everything. We're celebrating the birth of Christ, so anyway, uh, yeah, I tend to sum up the year end, but you know, how do you measure it? You know, how, how do you even measure the whole year? What's the metrics you even use? I mean, is it, what's it based on? Is it how healthy that we've been? Because uh, I've been fairly healthy, 
um, other than my knees, my back, my neck, my elbow, and my, you know, intestines. So, how do you measure it? Is it your health? Is it your finances? You know, did you end up this at the end of the year with, you know, doing all right? Is it your relationships? You know, there's a currency out there more than just money, and it's based on our relationships, our relationships with each other, our relationships with Christ. Um, if we don't have relationships, we're in a big hurt. So, you know, this last week, uh, I spent a lot of time uh, reflecting and everything, um, trying to evaluate it. And uh, one of the things that I came up to with was, I hope I was effective. You know, I hope my life was effective. Uh, I, I really hope that my life made a difference this last year. And um, I guess I, more than anything, I want a blessed life. Not just a one-time gift, but a continual blessing on my life. Um, Rick has accused me of trying to finagle my way into getting free pies. <laughs> and technically, he's not 100% wrong, but I wouldn't use the word finagling. You know, sometimes we can even do things or say things that actually can cancel out a blessing. Now, uh, that's a whole different subject, and Kathy Sutton would be probably better at teaching that, so I'll leave that on her or Rick. But yes, we can do or say things sometimes that can cancel out a blessing. If I was to make a statement, this, if I was to make a statement that a certain person is the best pie maker at Orchardville Church, I will make that person extremely happy. But I may cancel out a whole other plethora of blessings. They may say, everybody else may say, well, you can just let them make you a pie then. But if I say the men and the women of Orchardville Church are the absolute best pie makers and dessert makers in the world, then let the blessings flow from heaven. <laughs> let the floodgates open. And that is a true statement. And you heard me say men and women. Did you know that Tommy Lewis is a master pie baker? He is. He actually baked me a pie one time, and I was like, I just can't believe this. This is amazing. And, uh, well... Marvin Manahan, he is a master at making pineapple upside down cake. The women of this church are the absolute best pie makers I have ever seen on the planet. And Bernard Street, he is 92, and this last summer, he taught himself how to make zucchini bread. And Bernard, at 92, is a master zucchini bread maker. Let's give him a big hand. So yes, uh, Lord, those, those blessings can, can, can start flowing. Everybody wants to have a blessed life, don't you? And it seems like 
we all tend to, you know, everybody has things going on in their lives and we all want a miracle, don't we? I mean, or we want to, even if we don't have a specific need in our life, everybody would like to see great miracles happen for other people. I want to see that. I want to see that in my life. And so today we're going to focus, there, we're, we're going to be in the book of John, and the book of John, it highlights seven miracles of Christ, but we're only going to f- break down one of those. And so if you would turn to me to John chapter 6, verse 5 through 14, if you don't have your Bible or you don't have a phone that you're looking it up on, you can just uh, uh, sit there and uh, listen to me and read and pretend like you have one. So John chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. Now you have heard many preachers and many speakers and teachers preach off of this very passage here. And, um, but today I'm, I, I am praying that you will glean out of this exactly what God has for you today. A lot of us preachers like to preach out of this scripture because we never make anybody mad on this one. The controversial stuff I'll leave for Rick. Not that there's anything controversial about the Bible because it's 100% correct and 100% true. John chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. And it says, Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. He was testing Philip. Now, I don't know if you've, you've really studied the book of John, but, or even, you know, the other Gospels, but there's not a whole lot said about Philip. And there's actually four Philips in the Bible. And so sometimes it can be easy to confuse some of the Philips later on in Scripture. But in this particular passage, we're talking about Philip, one of the 12 disciples that is named out. But yeah, there's not a whole lot said about Philip in the Bible. But at this very instance, Jesus is asking him a direct question. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And you know, Philip, he'd be like, he's getting, he's getting real nervous. And he's like, ah, oh, this is my big chance. Jesus is finally asking me a, a, an important question about this here. I'm kind of put on the spot here, but yeah, I, I, uh, I really just don't want to blow this because this is my one big chance. You know, um, there's this great multitude of people here and Jesus is wanting to know where to buy the fish. So, you know, he's actually kind of, uh, Philip is very involved in the logistics of all that, how all this is going to happen. And he hem haws around a little bit and thinking to himself, he says this, Philip asking himself, where are we going to get the bread? Philip answered him and said, Well, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. Jesus put Philip to the test, and although Philip didn't completely answer his question, he's processing. He hasn't really said yet where this is the bread's going to come from, because he doesn't know, because he's a practical kind of guy, and he's adding this up in his mind. You know, 
our problems that we encounter every day and every year, those are a test. Lot, you know, we always have questions in our minds about the stuff. I, I'm all the time having all kinds of questions about things. Um, you know, how long does it take for uh, a cow to have a, a calf? I ask those questions all the time. I have all kinds of stupid questions that I'm asking. But this is a very serious question. Where are we going to buy the bread to feed all these people? And Philip, he's adding it up in his head because he's real good at math. He must be because he says 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Philip is spot on on his calculations. I don't know how long he sat there and thought about this before he did because I went ahead and sat down and I did some calculations of myself. So bear with me. 200 denarii. I looked it up, and that is a day's wages. One denarii is a day's wages for an average worker back then. And if you calculate that down, especially at today's wages that there is, 200 denarii would equal thirty dollars to $40,000. That's a lot of money. I have a fish trailer. My fish dinner is $9. Times that times 5,000, that equals $45,000. So that's spot on. But Philip was only talking about the bread. And you say, George, you're a little high on your price. Well, if Jesus calls me and orders 5,000 dinners, I'm going to give him a little bit of a discount. <laughs> you know, I'll knock it down to 40,000. But anyway, Philip is just spot on. And not only that, but he is just talking about the bread. He wasn't talking about the fries and the slaw and the fish, too. So he, Philip was spot on with his calculations on this. But, and then, you know, the other disciples are standing around and they're like, ah. he asked Philip this question. And Matthew, you know, him being the tax collector and all, he's probably saying like, you know, well, what about the sales tax? And, you know, John, you know, the one Jesus loves, he's probably saying, well, Dude, there's no tax. It's, you know, Jesus is nonprofit. He's a 501c. You don't even got to worry about that. Just a straight 40,000. That's what it's going to take to bring this bread. So, you know, he didn't have really the answer to the question, but he was trying. He was making calculations in his mind. He was trying to figure out the problem. You know, we have lots of instances where we just don't have the answer to the problem, do, don't we? I don't always have the answer to all my problems. And, but on here, after he says this, Jesus does not belittle Philip for not having the answer. God does not belittle us for not having all the answers. He just wants us to put our faith and our trust in him. So Philip, he's great with his calculations. Verse 8, it says, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he said to them, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Now in reading this scripture here, I was thinking a lot about the lad. And the first thing I was thinking about was, What is a lad? 
oh, he's but a wee lad. You know, I don't, I don't know what a lad is. So I looked it up. And most of what the definition that I could find on there was um, that a lad was someone who would go and fetch something for an adult and probably, probably under 13. Because, you know, you know uh, yeah, 13, you have a bar mitzvah and then you become a man and this and that. But a lad would have been someone under 13. So either he was attending OC kids or he was attending modified youth, one of the two. But so he has these loaves of bread, five of them, and he has two fish. And there's 5,000, you'll see later in scripture here, there's, there's 5,000 men here. That means there would have been women and there would have been other children as well. All these people, maybe 15 to 20,000 people, and only one kid shows up with anything to eat? How awkward would that be? You know, I, if, I'm, if I'm in, that's like being at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis, filled with people, and I'm the only one with anything to eat on them in there, and they have no other place to get anything. I'd be like sticking it in my jacket, and <laughs> be like, oh, i have this later. But, and so I wondered how come, how the disciples um, found this kid with the bread and the fish. And, you know, I don't know. I'm just pulling this out of the air from scripture and from, from reading. But I wonder if the kid volunteered of, hey, I've got this. And, you know, there's no reason that says that that amount is going to feed all these people. But now you're talking about a lad here, and he must have this childlike faith that something amazing is about to happen. And um, kids are like that, you know, especially when they look at, you know, mom and dad and they think they're larger than life, you know, they, they, they take care of all these issues and then there's going to be this, this great thing that's going to come about this. So the kid may have offered it up. We don't know. But him having these, these elements and the disciples taking them and saying, this is all we got. Well, this kid, he may, as growing up, you know, Jesus had already performed several miracles before this. And so I'm sure that he had heard about them and if he didn't hear about them, I'm sure he heard his parents talking about them. Do you know that kids hear everything that goes on in the household? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Everybody who's under 18 here, you know what I'm talking about. You hear everything that's going on in the household, even if your parents don't think you hear, you hear and it affects you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And this is a message for parents right here. Be careful what you say around your kids because the way you live and the way you talk affects them. It may be very so that this kid's parents had been talking about all the miraculous things that Jesus was doing. And so him being in this crowd of 15 to 20,000 people and he's the only one that's got any food on him. Because you know in a crowd that side, everybody's like, where are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat at, you know? Uh, I don't know. DiMaggio's isn't open. So, um, 
And this kid is like, I know where I'm going to eat. And I bet, I just wonder if Jesus could do something with this. Because he's got that childlike faith. So I wonder if he pulled out that bread and that fish and one of the disciples is just like, ah, let's, this is all we got. So let's take it to Jesus and see what happens. Everybody there wants something miraculous to happen. Let's read on. Uh, then Jesus said, make the people sit down. And I thought this was an interesting statement here in verse 10. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. You know how hard it is to get a crowd of people to do what you want them to do without a microphone and without a bullhorn. I mean, where's Hunter at? Hunter? Uh, okay, here, let's, let's do an experiment. Hunter, you come up here and stand right here. And Hunter, he's a, he's a great young man. Let's, let's give him a hand for being the new youth pastor. Okay, that's enough. He hasn't did that much yet. <laughs> now, I want you to all to stand up, if, you, if you're able to. Go ahead and stand up. And I want you to make chatter, just like we're not even here. Hey, Hunter. Just using your regular voice. Try to get him to sit down. Okay, that's enough, youth pastor. Uh, who can whistle real loud? Yeah. Hey, everybody, sit down. So, I wonder if that's kind of how it happened. I don't know. But he, he told them to make the people sit down. Now, I wonder because like the disciples the one who is probably one of the the toughest of the disciples is Simon the Zealot and so I wonder if you know James and John and Andrew is like ah, they won't listen to me hey let's get Simon to do it man he's the toughest one of us all and so I wonder if Simon was took charge and said uh, said all right rest of you disciples I want you to gather spread out we're going to make them sit down right now because Jesus has got some stuff to say. So, all right, sit down. And so maybe it happened that way. I don't know. This is just the thoughts of a uh, crazy Asian guy in his basement that was studying this. So. I like to think that's the way it happened. I don't know. Do <laughs> You know that Jesus wants to do something spectacular in your life. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And, of course, we already talked about that there was more women and children, too. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. Jesus used order and delegation to complete this miracle. He used the order and delegation. You know, a lot of times 
everybody wants to see a miracle, but there can be order and delegation used to complete that miracle. Verse 12 says, so when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of, five, of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Now, let's look at this of them gathering up the fragments. The fragments are a very important part of this, this miracle that, that is taking place here. You know, we think of it as just leftovers. And I've heard some scholars say, I wonder if you know, Jesus sent the 12 baskets home with the kid who had the bread and the fish. But I think there's also even another message in here about the fragments um, of these broken little pieces that were left over. And Jesus said, gather up all that remain so that nothing is lost. You know, our lives, most of us, our lives are fragmented. Now there's some people, and I have lots of friends and colleagues and acquaintances, that their lives are really amazing. And uh, they, they don't have a whole lot of issues or problems and stuff. And that takes nothing away from their testimony. It actually is a, uh, it, it's a testament to their testimony of their parents and their grandparents a lot of the times. Um, there's, there's many Christians that are completely whole and don't have any problems. But there's a large number of us that even though we're doing well now, we, have a, we come from a fragmented past to where at some point in time, there was something that was really broken and torn in us, maybe even as a child. Um, some of us come from fragmented families, fragmented marriages, fragmented health, maybe even abuse. Maybe if you were abused as a child, that you just have not felt whole. Maybe even you were the abuser. And even though you've gotten your life right, there's this part of you that still is just hurting inside. A lot of us are fragmented. And Jesus, he wants to gather up all those fragments so that none is lost. Because he loves each and every one of us. No matter where we came from, no matter where we come out of, no matter where you're at today, Jesus loves you. He wants no one to be lost. Even if we're torn and broken into a thousand pieces, he says, I want that piece because it's worth something. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world if the musicians would go ahead and come. Now, the title 
is called be apart. In this miracle, there was different elements that was present for this miracle to take place. There was Jesus, there was the disciples, the 12. There were many other followers of Christ, but we're talking about the 12 disciples. There was the lad with the bread. There was the bread and the fish. And there was all the other people that were there, the 5,000 plus the women and children. There was also something else that was vitally important to this, and that was obedience and faith. And so God had used all this working together to perform this miracle. And one of the things about the element of the people, 15 to 20,000 people show up for this event. Here's something that we don't think about a lot. They didn't have to come. They didn't have to be there. For whatever reason, they came because they wanted to, they found value in being there. They probably had heard of what all had been going on. You know, all these different people that had gotten healed, you know, the wedding at Cana, the Jesus's first miracle that he had performed, uh, turning the water into wine. They probably heard all this stuff and they thought, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of whatever's going to happen next. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I want to be a part of it. So everybody and everything in this took a part in this miracle. How many people here would like to see a miracle? Raise your hand. You want to see a miracle, let's be a part of the miracle just like the disciples, just like the lad, just like the multitude. Let's be a part of the miracle. If you would all please stand. I talked about people with fragmented lives. If you've never given your life to Christ, and maybe you're a good person, maybe you're a great person, But if you've never given your life to Christ, you have a fragmented life because there's a part of you that's missing. Carlin earlier had talked about us being filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, you don't have the Holy Spirit filling you. There is a fragmented part in your life. It doesn't have to be because today you can have that opportunity if you haven't had before. Today you can have that opportunity to have that void filled. And as the musicians play, if you come down and grab me uh, and I'll lead you in a prayer of salvation. If you're too scared to come down here, grab the person next to you. If they're too scared, grab the person next to them. This is vitally important that none should be lost gather up the fragments any other prayer requests that you might have for healing or or for relationships whatever any prayer requests let's just throw down the barriers in front of us and let's just bring it to God openly and honestly today bow your heads father we just thank you for this day 
Lord, I just ask and pray that you would quicken into people's hearts today. Lord, let them examine their hearts. Lord, let them bring that to you today. Lord, we just ask and pray for those that are sick today. And uh, we, we ask for your healing spirit to be upon them in Jesus' name.